0: You're listening to Stand Up Speak Up, a podcast dedicated to spreading awareness about social issues that usually get swept under the rug. I'm your host, Carla Stevens-Tolstoy, and this episode comes to you thanks to the support of wearable therapy by Toki. Today we are going to be doing things a little differently. We're going to delve into a subject that's near and dear to us at Stand Up Speak Up. We have reporter Drew Penner, who heads the heart of Northwestern Ontario, to look into the story of an Aboriginal girl who went missing and learns about a mother's search for answers after her daughter's body turned up in Lake of the Woods. This story offers a unique glimpse into what lies behind the headlines about missing and murdered Native women in Canada and reveals just how difficult it can be to tackle these sorts of important issues. Although Aboriginal women make up a small portion of Canada's population, about 4.3%, They account for 11.3% of the country's missing women and 16% of female homicides. There are similar statistics for American Aboriginal women. It's an issue faced by Indigenous people throughout the world. We can help spread awareness and enlighten people about what's going on. And that's what today's podcast is really about.
1: Elaine Copaness was prepared for the zombie apocalypse. The 16-year-old girl from Kenora, Canada loved watching sci-fi and horror movies, joking around with her sisters, and collecting Pokemon. She was quiet, but had a huge imagination, and was always recruiting friends and family to get in on the fun. Her mom, Anita Ross, describes her as a hardcore gamer with a wide range of interests.
2: Like, she even played expert level on Guitar Hero. Like, she was just, like, that good. I couldn't even play easy. (laughs) The easy level, i just be like, and she'd be like, Mom, you suck.
1: Anita remembers how Delaine would yell at the screen when she died while playing video games. She never thought she'd be found dead in the lake in real life.
2: You can actually see the dock from here, way over there.
0: So there's one, two, three, and
1: then the fourth dock, that's where her body was found. Delane, a native girl of Ojibwe heritage, was last seen by her family February 27, 2016, when her older sister was picked up and taken to the drunk tank by police around 6 p.m. After an evening of hanging out with friends downtown Kenora, Delane apparently vanished into thin air. Her body was found March 22, 2016, in Lake of the Woods, just off Water Street a few hundred meters from a police detachment. It must have been surprising though, the fact yeah, that it was yeah. right on the doorstep, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So. Delaine's disappearance was linked to calls for a national inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada when her name became a trending topic on Twitter with many of the commenters including the MMIW hashtag.
2: Who knows? I mean, there's been cases, especially out in the West, where the guys sort of got the Aboriginal women and just force feed them alcohol.
1: And while police found no evidence of foul play, Delane's mom continues to believe her daughter might have been murdered.
2: That's what I told the police. I said
0: none of their stories match. I said they keep changing. Every time I approach them, they
1: change. You're listening to Stand Up, Speak Up, Speak up. by Toki. By Toki. By Toki there's a real problem with Native women and girls going missing or being murdered in Canada. A few years ago, a report by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police found there had been about 1,200 incidents of missing and murdered Aboriginal women between 1980 and 2012. Just a few days ago, the Canadian government said they think this figure is wrong and that the number is way higher. Native organizations say police haven't taken the suspicious deaths and disappearances of Aboriginal women and girls seriously. Calls for a national inquiry were refused by our previous Conservative government, who said police and the courts were doing a fine job of dealing with the issue. Justin Trudeau, who became Prime Minister several months after Delane's body was found, won Aboriginal Canadians over in part by promising to tread down this path. The government launched a $54 million inquiry last fall, but critics say 10% of the money's already been spent. In any event, missing and murdered Indigenous women, or hashtag MMIW, as the topics referenced on social media, has become top of mind for many Canadians. But you know how it is. When you turn something into a topic of national significance, risk minimizing the individual stories. So we wanted to zoom in on one case in particular to see behind the political wrangling and lift the cover on the serious factors involved in missing and murdered Indigenous women. That way we can raise awareness about unseen challenges of race relations in an otherwise friendly country and shine the spotlight on an interesting girl who died too soon. Now we're going to take a closer look. While researching for the podcast, I came across a talented young rapper from Kenora named Quentin Larry Roy Cameron. So, the first thing we're going to do today is play a little bit of a song he wrote that pays homage to the community and talks about what life is like in Kenora.
2: From Canova,
3: Ontario A place so amiable With a scenario That is expandable you but acknowledged From husky to musky The skyline is flawless The place that you must see Because it is very pleasing To the senses But it is freezing And wind no winter's presence But we can handle The cold in the north With this warm candle That we call a torch A lake of the woods In our western Ontario Most neighborhoods In Canova, Ontario Enjoy the hobbies Before it is spring Snowboarding, and hockey Is a common thing And when every near We drink some O.E. And during that near, We smoke that OG I was born as a stunner And the Kenora
1: is absolutely stunning Canadian shield country. It's covered by boreal forests, lakes, and tons of ice and snow in the winter. In fact, the temperature often drops to the negative double digits. It's located right on the northern end of Lake of the Woods, one of the largest freshwater bodies of water in the world. I've got to be honest, we were pretty hesitant to do a story based on Kenora. Both Carla, my editor, and I have a connection to the place. And it's always toughest to look into challenging topics in your own backyard. I grew up in the community, and she spends her summers there. We first linked up to work on a podcast series about missing and murdered Aboriginal women right as I was heading back for a visit at Christmas. We hadn't talked about how we wanted to do that. When we realized we had this random connection to the place, we started to include cases from the community in our search. But I would have to be convinced to pick a story based on my hometown. So
0: I remember you sending me an email saying that um, you weren't sure if it was going to be appropriate for us to do a story with somebody from Kenora. And we, we both kind of agree with that because we were both kind of afraid of the, the pushback or afraid of, um, you know, a small community kind of getting upset about us doing a, a story on them when neither of us lived there right now.
1: After I met Anita Ross, the mother of 16-year-old Delaine Kopanis, who went missing one year ago, I knew I had to tell her story. I'd first begun researching the death of Izraea Kopanis. This was a girl who went missing from the hospital for a period of time last year before she was found in the forest across the street by the dam apparently having committed suicide. Her family released a video of her, days earlier, being arrested by the police in a field across town. Hey, why don't you get the female cop to arrest her? It's hard to tell what's going on in the video. Some experts say it appears the officer used restraint, but regardless, it's become an example local native people point to of police brutality. Here we are at the site of King George School overlooking the old skate park site and the recreation center. Interesting to have this. Powering in the background of that video. It helps put everything in perspective. It does raise legitimate concerns. The local member of provincial parliament helped push for answers, hey. but these efforts didn't result in an inquiry. Why don't
2: you call the female cop to arrest her? New question? The member from Kenora Rainy River. Thank you, Speaker. To the Premier. In April, Esreya Kokopanas, a 14-year-old girl and member of the Grassy Narrows First Nation walked away from the Lake of the Woods Hospital in Kenora, and she was found dead two days later. There's a lot we don't know about what happened to Esreya. Why did the police drop her off at the hospital? Why did she walk away? But what we do know from her father is that Esreya needed help. Esreya was involved in the child welfare system and under the care of the hospital when she went missing. Speaker, will the premier commit to bring the Kokopanas family and her community of Grassy Narrows some peace and back their call for a coroner's inquest?
1: What I'd found out was Azrea had been dealing with mental health issues, and she had a brother who died recently. He'd been suffering from mercury poisoning as a result of industrial contamination of the river by their home reserve. In Canada, native people were forced to live on these generally undesirable pieces of land called reserves, so companies could have out the natural resources everywhere else. And so property could be given to settlers. You know, colonization and all that. In the 1960s, an upstream paper mill in Dryden, Ontario was using mercury as part of its papermaking process. A whole bunch of it ended up in the river and poisoned the native people on reserves like White Dog and Grassy Narrows, where Ezra's family lived. I asked my grandpa who ran a sawmill in the area with his brothers at the time and he said while their operation was too small to consider using mercury, it would have been unsurprising for a company the size of the Dryden paper mill to just bury the waste chemicals or dump it in the river. Recently tests have suggested mercury is somehow still leaking into the river system, but the provincial government has been resisting putting money into a further cleanup. I had a roommate in Toronto named Patrick who took his life. And I know how painful and incomprehensible it can be to deal with that kind of loss. So instead of focusing on Rosaria for the podcast, I decided the best way to honour her memory was to spend some time with one of my old neighbours whose son took his life. It was Christmas after all, and I'm glad I took the time to do it. The next day I decided to give my friend Yari a call. He's from the White Dog Reserve, but lives in Eastern Ontario now. We used to play in a band
3: together. He
1: told me there's been a lot of recent examples negative interactions between his native friends and the police, on top of the regular chaos back home.
4: Yeah, he was biking home and I guess like two cruisers like the big ones the SUV stopped him and stopped him and his buddy and they asked him where, where were they going and stuff and they were just like, what? They were smiling at him like, uh, biking around like, why are you biking around so late? And they were like, what? Like they were just being harassed and asked all these millions of questions and they just finally just had the smart idea to take out their phones and record the guys. And the police got mad, and they were trying to
3: arrest them. we We're not doing anything illegal. We're on our bikes. Yes, it's after hours, but we're grown-ups.
1: We're grown men. He suggested I contact his friend Anita. She's been asking a lot of questions, he said, about how her daughter, Delaine Kopines, ended up in the water near the shore with weird marks on her body.
4: I guess she ha- has uh, twin girls and two other girls. And one of her twin girls, there uh, was the last seen downtown and they don't know what happened to her. She went missing and I saw it all on Facebook. I was living down south at the time. I mean,
1: Kenora is a place where the ice gets two feet thick in the winter. Thick enough to drive on.
3: I
0: mean, Ross
4: said that there was, there was like bruises and stuff on her wrist. <laughs> they were saying there was no foul play, so... So I was, like, kind of confused, like, because the autopsy said, oh, she drowned.
1: I met with Anita at a Tim Hortons coffee shop, a de facto community hub. Um, oh, my goodness. Beautiful black, long hair. And
2: like this. down to her waist, eh? Yeah, her waist. I don't know how to describe it's that. a medallion?
1: It's a medallion. It's a medallion.
2: medallion. Okay. Okay. Um, one of my relatives uh, made it to me after we it to So it only took a couple of
1: days. To... Delaine had three siblings. The oldest, Darian, was the outgoing one. Lori, the next youngest, was a bit quieter. In the same way, Dana was a bit more adventurous than her fraternal twin Delane, who was a real introvert. Lori joined us for the interview.
0: I would often catch them where they'd like just be sitting next to each other, and they'd be holding hands. She'd like
2: pester her sister, and she'd be like, Delaine, Delaine, like
0: And then Delaine was like, ah, you know? It was like, I miss those. I'm like, those are memories we're never going to, we won't be able to make more.
1: Christmas, eh? That? that
2: was our last Christmas.
1: Last year. Huh. Delaine and her sisters grew up in Anigaming, a reserve south of Kenora. When their parents broke up, they moved to Winnipeg with their mom. Eventually they moved to Kenora, partly to be closer to their aboriginal heritage, and partly because Anita was starting to freak out about all the stories of native women going missing from Winnipeg. That city has a reputation as one of the most dangerous places in Canada per capita. Once the girls got to Kenora, they lived near the mall downtown, went to powwows, and were pretty typical high school kids.
0: So, this is another one, this one's cute. Official story of how they think the night progressed. Like how did how did she end up in the water?
1: It's Saturday, February twenty seventh, two thousand sixteen. A fun multi day get together comes to an end at Delaney's house when her mom Anita finally decides to kick everyone out. It wasn't anything out of control. But there was plenty of vodka, drinking games, music, dancing, that sort of thing.
3: The
1: visitors leave, and ultimately, Delaine and her older sister Darian wind up reconnecting with the others. They head out in search of a party. It's the last time Anita will see her daughter alive. The Northwestern Ontario winter is unforgiving. Over 24 hours, the temperature will drop from above freezing to below minus 14 degrees Celsius. Some of the group try to buy alcohol at the liquor store, but they're unsuccessful. Suddenly, police swoop in and arrest Elaine's older sister, Darian, for public intoxication and haul her away. Apparently, Darian asks to be dropped off at home, but she's taken to the police station at the east end of town to sober up instead. Now, Delaine doesn't really have too many friends of her own. She mostly hangs out around the house, watching movies, listening to mp3s, playing video games, and doing things with her family. She's not super comfortable with people she doesn't know. But that night, she goes with the flow. She was definitely part of the afternoon revelry back home, but by 5.55pm, when her sisters picked up, she was clearly coherent enough to escape serious police scrutiny. they start trudging around town trying to come up with a plan of what they're gonna do. Supposedly they aren't able to find anyone to sell them weed but they do manage to buy two growlers of Sultana Gold beer at the Lake of the Woods Brewing Company. That's North American blonde ale and has an alcohol content of five percent. That's just under a six pack of beer. They decide to head to one of the few places they can think of to drink and hang out. The infamous Lila's Block. Now, imagine the sketchiest place you can think of in your own town. That's the kind of place we're talking about. Homeless people have been known to sneak into Lila's Block at night to get out of the cold and sleep in the hallways. There's a lot of drug use. It's not exactly the kind of place you want your daughter to be hanging out. And I'm sure it would have scared the crap out of Delane too. At least a little bit. But it's right on Main Street, and if you're underage, as some of them were, it's a place you can drink without having to worry about the cops catching you. One of the participants said overall, Delane was having fun and didn't actually drink that much. And then she's gone. Support for Stand Up, Speak Up comes from Wearable Therapy by Toki. Your choices matter, and you can use fashion as a tool to make people think. Head over to wearable-therapy-toki, that's with two dot com, to check out a wide range of unique, ethically manufactured apparel designed to spark a conversation on the issues you care about most. And thanks for tuning in.
4: Just a quick interjection. I'm Zach Tolstoy, one of the founders of Stand Up Speak Up. Our podcast is just one part of the Stand Up Speak Up brand. We are supported by an online store of the same name where we sell a variety of artisan products. We have an ongoing blog series with over a dozen contributors and we offer a series of interactive workshops. Throughout the different iterations of Stand Up Speak Up, our core message and purpose have always been the same. To create a site, that allows our customers and us more opportunities to speak up about and support causes, organizations, and groups that we're passionate about, and that of course could use additional support. My mother and I have learned about allyship over the years from what feels like a thousand and one places and people. We want to encourage members of this fantastic Stand Up Speak Up community to come along and learn with us. So along with our team, We created this workshop featuring videos, articles, and exercises that have really helped the two of us in our own journey towards allyship. Don't worry, it doesn't cost any money, and you don't need to make an account to access the information. We wanted to make our workshop as accessible as possible because we believe in our message and understand the importance of spreading awareness. The Ally Workshop is split into eight parts, including interactive quizzes and helpful videos. It's intended to introduce you to new skills and courses of action in the world of allyship. The workshop is easy to use and can be done entirely on your cell phone, tablet, or computer at your own pace, with each of the eight sections taking an average of about 15 minutes or so to complete, or a breezy couple hours on a Sunday afternoon.
1: Delane's mom, Anita, woke up from a nap, and realized she was missing two of her girls. She wondered where on earth they might have gone.
2: There was no sign of them anywhere, Darien or Delane.
1: Anita even called the hospital, fearing something could have gone terribly wrong.
0: I tried hard not to worry.
1: No one had seen either of them.
0: And tried to see others. Maybe they'd hurt themselves
2: and, you know.
1: She's about to find out her worries weren't misplaced. Eventually, she locates her oldest daughter, by calling the police station around 11 p.m. But there's a problem. No one has any idea where Delaine, the shy girl who's been wandering around town with some people she barely knows, could possibly be. So they start to make phone calls, scour the streets. It's the beginning of a massive search effort that will bind the city with a small town feel together in new ways. The result will be tragedy and a lingering mystery. Hundreds of people took part in the effort to find the 16-year-old Aboriginal girl. People from far and wide jumped on social media to share the story of the youth who disappeared without a trace, adding Delane's name to the growing list of missing Native girls in Canada they used the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Woman hashtag to raise the alarm. At a time when the Canadian government was adamantly blocking people who wanted an inquiry on the subject, her name became part of a broader conversation. In a way, though, Delane's story stood out, too. This was not some drug-addicted teen from a broken home or living on a dysfunctional remote reserve who took an at-risk lifestyle too far. Elaine was a good student with bright prospects, who just happened to be Ojibwe. She was known to be timid, not wild. She collected Twilight memorabilia, Pokemon cards, not drug dealer phone numbers. People searched tirelessly, hoping for the best, fearing the worst. Police called in dive teams, reviewed thousands of hours of security footage, and questioned a wide swath of people. But after weeks of looking, They called off their ground search March 14th. Anita and the family kept looking. On March 22nd, a city employee found Elaine's body in Lake of the Woods, near the shore at Water Street, not far from a police detachment. The family was devastated, having hoped against hope that they would find Elaine alive, even if she had gone through some sort of torment. Instead, they were confronted with the finality of the 16-year-old girl's death.
0: It was weird. I didn't cry much. I still don't cry much. I remember hearing
2: the screams of my dad and my mom. I wow. I remember people, like, surrounding me, too, and they just wanted to be alone, but then they just came anyways. Started holding me on the side. Lori
1: had to break the bad news.
0: Yeah, that's when I
2: got up, went to my mom and dad, started hugging them.
0: I had to leave to go tell my sisters. First, I went to, go to my grandpa's room. He's like, Grandpa, then. and he's like, What? I like, we found Elaine. He's like, Where is she? Is she okay? I was like, She's gone.
2: He started hugging me. Um, grandma. I called my other grandma from Winnipeg. She started crying. I we'll the
0: girls. Man. I woke them up. Then I was like, "Dana, Dana." Dana like, what? I have to tell you something? Then they're
2: like, they just like they're just waking up to. It's like um, we found the lane. And Dana, is she okay? Is she safe? No. She's- gone.
1: Coroner said Delane died of drowning and didn't find any evidence of rape or physical assault. But there were unsettling elements that didn't seem to add up for her mom, Anita. While Delane did have significant quantities of alcohol in her bloodstream, she questions how much her daughter could have consumed since multiple alcohol retailers declined to sell to the group. Plus there were a variety of markings on her arms and legs. How could hundreds of searchers and police divers wielding fancy sonar gear miss a body that turned up so close to downtown? What happened to the zip-up she was wearing? And another thing. A single black Etney shoe, identical to the one she was wearing when she last left her house February 27th, was found one street over on the ice in front of the Anglican Church. How could that have escaped an entire month of searching? Plus. Delane had suffered some sort of impact to her head. And of course Anita couldn't help but wonder how her daughter ended up in the water in the first place, considering it was the dead of winter when she vanished. All in all, the circumstances of Delane's discovery made for a bizarre situation. The United Church Youth Minister who is involved in the hunt for Delane, considers it a troubling mystery that haunts Delane's family and this community to this day.
2: Oh, I want to show you that video. with so cute, it's like, I want my mom and she's in there. <laughs> here, I didn't even see
1: this. Anita and Lori played me a cute clip of Delane getting her molars out.
2: This mercy's her here quickly was coming out of sedation.
1: She was doped up on pain meds. That was pretty hilarious.
0: You know, Kenora is beautiful. I've spent all my summers there for 47 years. It's it's my favorite town in the whole entire world. I really have a lot of love and respect for it. But there is a dark side. That's Carla again. And it's no different from where I live here in Oakville, which is seen as a high-end, wealthy suburb. And it has meth houses. And I've been to some of those places that you're talking about that are very sketchy. And I think it's unrealistic for any town or anyone to think that these places don't exist. Because <laughs> I think a lot of people won't believe these places exist. Well,
2: you had a duck walk, too. <laughs> she had an odd walk. A <laughs> duck walk. Yeah, both my girl, so. Like her legs will go... Up. Her feet will go that way. Like, <laughs> like here. Uh. <laughs> you know how people have straight walks? Yeah. Like, With they stuff, like she had a duck walk. Huh. <laughs> I remember when she was just a little baby. I think she might have been about two or three years old. Every time she put on her shoes, she'd put her shoes on off feet. Then i would like take them off of her and I'd be like, Baby, that's not how you put on your shoes! And I put them back on the right way and she picked them off and do it again. <laughs> See? She's <laughs> weirdo sometimes.
1: Wearing Red Hot Chili Peppers shirt.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Meanwhile, you guys are laughing at her.
2: See, I want my mommy.
1: I love how you can get a good glimpse of her personality in that She died too soon, but we want to remember her and what she meant to those around her. We'd like to ask any of our listeners to stand up and speak up if you have something to share on this serious topic. We'll get back in touch with Anita on another episode of Stand Up, Speak Up as she tries to make sense of her daughter's death. We'll look at where the broader issue of missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada is headed. Here's a sneak peek of what you can expect.
2: We're all showing each other music, and she showed me a couple songs. And she was more into, I found like uh, that kind of EDM, electric dance music. Alright,
1: so Here we are at the OPP office in of Northern Ontario. Be fun, and cool. You hear people talk about the Highway of Tears. You know, having hitchhiked on that road. I mean, what was the experience like for you?
3: Pathologists would do
1: be looking at these
2: marks and seeing if it's uh, due post-mortem or before death. We are not just taught through, like, anti-police rhetoric in our communities. It's more of teaching your kids that they might not be safe in the hands of the police because of what they've experienced and what their people have experienced.
1: Wanted to do some research on that night that the women told us.
2: They kept him against his
0: will. And it was the same girl that was last seen with my
1: daughter. I've
0: been involved in hundreds of drownings. What I'm seeing is not something that I I see on a normal basis on drowning. It looks like her hands were bound.
1: Now we're going to leave you with the Quentin, Larry, Roy, Cameron homage to K-Town. And as they say in Ojibwe, Miigwech. Thank you.
3: No. Ontario. I place so amiable with a scenario that is expandable you but acknowledged from husky to musky The skyline is flawless, a place that you must see Because it is very pleasing to the senses But it is freezing and the wind is present But we can handle the cold in the north With this warm candle that we call a torch A lake of the woods in our western Ontario Most neighborhoods in Canova, Ontario Enjoy the hobbies before it is spring Snowboarding, and hockey is a common thing And with every near, we drink some O.E. And during the near, we smoke that OG I was born as the stunner in the city can't town I'll tell you what it's summer is it's like black around my hometown Or break or go ahead of the skate park and then we just skate. If it's too hot in the summer, bridges, we go find a spot from some dive off the clutch Run a boat on the lake, Just the goldfish A hunt, watch a concert take place at the harbor front, or just go take a hike and adventure the bush. We're like we stay in smoking cush or travel the powwows for entertainment. Or rap for this powwows, have good attainment. You'll meet some good people that you'll remember, like my wops people and family members. People from Grassy and from fish Bay to so look out and coochie change out from Lake. It takes your dedication to rap a gay town. I'll tell you what's negative ground hung The if they didn't try hustle for something to eat Begging for dough, chilling out at the mall To hit LCBO and consume alcohol These boys take advantage of girls that are drunk Or just act like a savage or act like a punk They drink too much booze and start acting reckless And then drink some booze so they get arrested Wasting their time doing time in a jail and like committing more crimes every time they make bail Lacking in school and not wanting to learn Breaking most of the rules, letting all tables turn Bullying kids that are already depressed I wrote for all of you kids that are still in distress Here's to your kids that feel worthless in K-Town i deal with depression and griever from my hometown. My
2: hometown, my hometown my
3: but feeling the more relaxed, that's my intention, and you need to compromise. Counseling sessions, your life is worth living. Just contemplate on the advice that I'm giving and concentrate my on what you want in life. Please take this serious, there is much more to life. You will experience, feel my compassion. Just know that I care for you. I have the passion that no one would spare for you. I wanna symbolize for people from K-Town. And I wanna sympathize for people around my hometown.